the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump, in his weekly media address, says he expects the Senate will be passing a new health care law in coming weeks. When I ran for president, I made a commitment to the American people to repeal and replace Obamacare. I am pleased to report that we are very, very close. In the Democrats' weekly address, it was Congressman Bernie Thompson continuing the drumbeat over alleged Russian interference. We must get the truth about Russia's meddling and the full extent of the Trump's campaign complicity. Thompson is ranking Democrat on the House Committee on Homeland Security. A Honolulu high-rise blaze that killed at least three people and injured 12 was described as a horror movie scene as a fire exploded from windows. Authorities say the blaze broke out yesterday afternoon on the 26th floor where all the dead were found. Officials stressing the building was not equipped with a sprinkler system. This is SRN News. Hi, this is Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot. I'd like to remind you to spend your money wisely and use our loyal marketing partners here on this great station. Many of our clients are local businesses who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities, and their success in business is our success. For a list of our loyal marketing partners, please go to am1280thepatriot.com or call us at 651-405-8800. We thank you for listening and supporting our great marketing partners. Up next on The Patriot, the headliner, Mitch Berg, lays siege to all the safe spaces across the state of Minnesota. Nowhere is safe. The headliner is in the studio. Tune in tomorrow to Brad Carlson, the closer. Together they are the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And tune in to the King Banyan Show for the best economic insight. He's every Saturday and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on Business 1440. From the Blue Ox Heating and Air Weather Center, a quick look at your forecast. Chance of a shower, maybe a thunderstorm this afternoon, otherwise mostly sunny and near 90. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This hour of the Northern Alliance Radio Network is brought to you by Thompson Building and Remodeling. With over 30 years of experience in home repair and remodeling, Thompson Building and Remodeling can ensure you of a quality job done right. From expert roofing, siding, and window installation to full additions and more. To see their work, visit online at thompsonpros.com. Thompson supports the Northern Alliance Radio Network to bring Patriot listeners a local voice in local and national politics. The Northern Alliance is on. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Berg. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The show that says, send us your tired, huddled masses yearning to see red. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name, Mitch Berg, B-E-R-G. My blog, shotinthedark.info, found on the web. Well, shotinthedark.info. Shot in the Dark is the name of the blog. Throw the .info at the end. You'll actually find it on a web browser uh, or whatever means you want to use to read it. Either way, hope you read it every weekday. 
It's one of Minnesota's foremost remaining blogs. Uh, I'm still there. Most of the rest of them are gone, but uh, that's fine. That's what brought me here. You dance with the one what brung you. Uh, and so I do. Uh, I'm also found on the web at True North. Look at truenorth.com, which is the official center for center-right political opinion in the upper Midwest and is going on its 10th anniversary of dominating the political discussion in this state. Uh, the number one, both, I, I mean, my Shot in the Dark and True North, the number one and number two blogs in Minnesota. Now oh, you can look it up. Uh, <laughs> heck, everyone's claiming to be number one. These Let's all just jump on board. I mean, all you have to do is say it, and it's true, right? Where was it? Oh, yeah, Brad Carlson tomorrow, 2 o'clock, the closer edition. And King Banyan uh, on, on our sister station, AM 1440, every uh, the businessman, every Saturday morning from 9 to 11, giving you the best show on the radio in America and, ergo, by extension, the world on the subject of economics. Anyway, wow, a lot to talk about. First of all, how about that weather out there, huh? No, that, this is not a morning show. Uh, which, oh, yeah, I, I, the weather did start me thinking because weather is one of those things that, that triggers people's memories. It was, a, it was a similarly hot, muggy, humid, sultry, desultry, ultra-sultry day uh, that just like this when I was, uh, I'd I safe to say, a, a young teenager, uh, when the news came over the radio uh, that the city of New York, on a similarly hot, steamy, tropical evening, had gotten blacked out. And the news coming out of New York was the sort of thing that, that made later movies like Kirk Russell's classic Escape from New York. Uh, for those of you who are wondering what all the Snake Plissken references are for, that's, that's it. Uh, made movies like that seem plausible. I mean, it was the time when New York was a collapsing city, a failed city by any rational measure. And what followed was probably one of the three greatest events in, in urban life in my lifetime and probably yours. If you listen to the station, if you're anywhere over the age of 40, well, 40 years and two days, because the 40th anniversary was, in fact, Thursday night, the 13th. Uh, the city of New York got blacked out. The Con Edison uh, power grid completely collapsed. It was hot. It was sweaty. It was steamy. There was so much power being used in New York City that there was a, a, a sort of a domino effect collapse of transformers and switches and other gear that, that brought the power to the city. And it was calamitous. Up there, I mean, in the top three events in urban life in the last 40, in, in my lifetime, period. I mean, if you, you leave out probably the top four, if you count the, the L.A. riots of the 1960s, the Watts riots, if you will, and the L.A. riot uh, in 1992, and the complete collapse of Detroit. We'll come back to all of those, because the, the New York blackout 40 years ago, for those of you who don't remember it. It was something else. Uh, and it, by the way, an article about it came out. Uh, it was republished from the Washington Post in the Star Tribune by a fellow named Josh uh, Zeitz, who wrote about it 40 years ago in a thick summer heat. The creaking power grid that supplied electricity in New York City collapsed, leaving over 7 million residents in pitch darkness. It's not the first time in recent memory that Gotham's lights had gone out, et cetera, et cetera. But the results were, were much more pronounced than normal under the cover of that hot, steamy night, countless citizens 
Many of them residents of ghetto neighborhoods initiated an orgy of looting and arson that left over a thousand buildings partially or wholly laid to waste. They plundered more than 1,600 businesses that the size of the store didn't matter or who owned it didn't matter, uh, explained the West Sider, which was a local community newspaper uh, in, in Manhattan. Everything was fair game. And the rioting was amazing. I mean, they there was one parking lot, a, a, a Pontiac dealership in the Bronx, where all of the cars were stolen, every last one. Looters came on. I mean, you're used to seeing pictures of looters breaking windows, taking TVs, and, and, and going through all the Twinkies and Ho-Hos on the, on the shelves of a store. This one, they looted 50 brand-new Pontiacs from the showroom floor and, and, and the lot. And, and you, you pretty much name it. it. If it wasn't nailed down, and sometimes if it was, it got stolen. Like they said, a thousand, uh, a thousand buildings were destroyed, mostly by fire, and most of them were were in the slums. Yet another example of 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 the underprivileged in our society contributing to their own misery by burning out their own neighborhood. Which, by the way, is a common thing in these events, in the collapse of Detroit, in the various rounds of Los Angeles, and for that matter, Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis riots in 1967. It was, yeah, you, can, you, you can complain about Wall Street and the rich all you want, but it wasn't them who got burned out. Anyway, the great blackout, says um, Josh Zeitz of the Washington Post of 1977, represented more than just the failure of Con Edison, Consolidated Edison, to keep the uh, lights on. To many New Yorkers and non-New Yorkers alike, it placed in stark relief the failures of American liberalism. A once great city, a uh, uh, once great city that uh, now now chooses to refresh itself. <laughs> a, uh, a once great city hailed as a shining example of what progressive government might accomplish could no more uphold the law and order and provide for citizens uh, with so basic a service as electricity. And and this is this this was this was an important event because it happened one of those things that happened just about the time that American conservatism was coming back from the cold and and it showed up in some amazing play Rudy, Rudy Giuliani gets a lot of credit for reviving New York City and he deserves a lot of credit for it. I remember I went to New York for the first time ten years after the blackout and New York was still the New York of of fabled lore. Times Square was still gritty, grimy, full of hookers and drug dealers. And, and uh, I mean, basically, <laughs> Times Square today is is as clean, family-friendly, and safe as the Mall of America food court these days. Uh, I remember taking my kids there back in 2008 and thinking, wow, I I probably have not much more trepidation about them here than I, than I would at Rosedale. <sighs> But it was different, obviously, back in, in the 1970s and before. And the results of the blackout were important. The blackout, says Joseph, uh, Josh Zeitz, influenced in a mayoral election later on that year that witnessed white ethnic city residents, uh, most of them stalwart Democrats, lurch sharply rightward and, and presaged both Ronald Reagan's uh, uh, erosion of the New Deal coalition three years later and Bill Clinton's winning formula later on. Just as New York's descend into darkness assumed the political uh, uh, meaning of the time, the the subsequent 
revival provides an equally useful guide to current politics on the national level. We'll, we'll come back to that. Now, one of, one of the points of this was the next mayoral election that happened led to the election of Ed Koch. Now, you probably, if you know of Ed Koch at all, he was interesting guy, a lifelong Democrat who, as Josh Zeitz points out in his, his article, governed by New York Democrat standards as a conservative. I mean, Rudy Giuliani gets a lot of credit, most of the credit, for bringing a focus on law and order to New York City. But it was Ed Koch who first broached the idea with New Yorkers of getting tough on crime. And he started the ball moving. Uh, he, New York had to get through his reign and the much less inspired David Dinkins in the 1980s before uh, Rudy Giuliani took over. But Ed Koch was the first one to start moving the needle, and he did it by moving to the right, by pushing to the right of New York City's traditional comfort zone, politically speaking. Now, we'll come back to that, because there's an interesting parallel here, I think. First of all, New York City had been victimized over the previous 40 years by the same sort of liberal progressive machine that made Los Angeles and Detroit and Newark, Camden, Stockton, uh, Oak, uh, Oak, uh, Oak, uh, Oakland, Seattle, uh, and you name uh, Memphis, St. Louis, uh, New Orleans, all these other cities. It took them all from being in their own way great cities to being unlivable hellholes over the last 100 years here. New York was no exception. In 1930, during World War II, for that matter, blue-collar people could live in Manhattan and Brooklyn and the nicer parts of Queens. The South Bronx was a nice, upscale place surrounded by working-class burbs where people who worked day jobs at the cigar factories, at the piano factory in Steinway, Queens, at... Uh, all in, in the shipping business, in the manufacturing business, all the businesses that were still alive in New York during the 30s, the 40s, even the 50s. Uh, over the course, starting in the 1960s, the progressive administrations of one New York mayor or another started implementing the, pers- uh, the policies that made it what we have today. First, what we had in 1977 a place that was collapsing, a place where entire parts of the city were, in effect, off-limits to law-abiding citizens. Think the South Bronx, Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn, uh, anything north of 120th Street in Manhattan back in that day, 40 years ago, was pretty much a no-go zone. You'd be better off going into ISIS territory than going north of 120th Street in Manhattan 40 years ago. And... The result, and, and with the similar effect of zoning the cities so that the only way to live in the cities, New York led the way on this, was to be either extremely rich or extremely poor. If you were the middle class, you were the working upper middle class, excuse me, the working uh, lower middle class, the blue collar sector, you got pushed out to Staten Island if you were lucky. Farther and farther south into New Jersey, if, if you were just the rest, like the rest of us. 
651-289-4488 is the number to call. There's a parallel here with what's going on around us here in the Twin Cities. All these cities. And, and the, the, the blackout brought it to sharp relief. Give me a call. 651-289-4488. It's the Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot. Hi folks, Mitch Berg here. Spring and summer are finally here, and after the winter we just had, now's the time to call Thompson Building and Remodeling to inspect the roof and gutters on your home. Snow and ice dams have damaged thousands of roofs and gutters. Thompson Building and Remodeling is a certified master shingler, so your home will receive only the best roofing and leafless gutter systems installed properly. Protect your biggest investment. Call 651-487-5318 today. That's 651-487-5318. Or find them on the web at thompsonpros.com. In 1967, Arab forces attempted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Six days later, Israel had triumphed, and Jerusalem stood reunified for the first time in nearly 2,000 years. Honor the 50-year anniversary of this historic triumph by joining Mike Gallagher and Dennis Prager for Stand with Israel, a nine-day odyssey celebrating Israel's past, present, and future. Explore Israel's heritage at Galilee and Jerusalem. Embrace the present, touring modern Tel Aviv. You'll meet with high-ranking Israeli leaders and understand more deeply the complexities and marvels of modern Israel. You'll walk on soil contended for with courage. As a conservative American, you can show your support. Stand with Israel. October 22nd through November 1st includes luxury accommodations, delicious meals, and safe transportation. Book your trip at am1280thepatriot.com. When you're in pain, you need the Good Feet Store. Don't suffer from foot pain, sore ankles, tired legs, achy back and hips, or sore knees. Go to the Good Feet Store for your no-obligation custom fitting and immediately feel the difference. The Good Feet Arch Support System is designed to put your feet in an ideal position, redistribute body weight more evenly, and help relieve pain and stress. With over 350 styles and sizes to relieve your pain. This is Michael Medved, and I wear my Good Feet Arch Support System in all of my shoes. I'm told they even work in high heels. I don't have experience with that. If you have stress, if you have tension, pressure, or pain in your back, hip, knees, ankles, or feet, call for your appointment, 855-554-3338. For your no-obligation fitting, you can use your flex spending accounts and most health savings accounts, too. Visit one of the three Good Feet locations, Bloomington, Maple Grove, and the brand-new store in Maplewood. Thanks to the Good Feet store. TheFishTwinCities.com is home to the best in today's Christian music. The best melodies. The top artists. And the greatest message. Listen on TheFishTwinCities.com and with the free mobile app. The Fish Twin Cities. Safe for the whole family. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name, Mitch Berg. My blog is shotinthedark.info. My game, conservative talk. Making talk radio great again. 
That's me. We're talking about the New York blackout uh, of 1977. It happened 40 years ago this past Thursday. I, I knew there was something in the air. And I, I couldn't help but remember because it was a hot, sticky, steamy evening when I was listening to it on the radio when I was a kid. And, of course, it was the same thing in New York City. And, of course, New York City had, at that time, endured 40 or 50 years of nonstop Democrat government. It had been a big union town, a big labor town. A good chunk of even Manhattan was blue-collar, working-class, middle-class, working people. Now, nowadays, you can't live much of anywhere in Manhattan if you don't make a half a million dollars a year. And the other good chunks of Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx today have gentrified to the point where you pretty much have to be an upscale professional or uh, crash with five or six roommates to live anywhere uh, anywhere east of uh, of Long Island City, it's 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 crazy, and of course this is the way many major cities are going these days, including Minneapolis, because the city of New York focused itself does it did what bureaucracies do. It looked at the status quo as of 19, I don't know, 35, 1940, as of the end of the war, and thought, okay, this is the way life is. We're a manufacturing town. We're going to run this place like a manufacturing town. We're going to make our money off of manufacturing. We're going to tax manufacturing. We're going to make sure that we're going to govern like the best 1945 vintage city there could possibly be. And, of course, the economy changed. Economies change all the time. They change a little bit every day. Governments do not. They change maybe every couple years, and gradually at that. As Kevin Williamson, great friend of this broadcast, says, there is no less efficient way of managing resources than through politics. And big cities prove it. Big cities that depend on businesses and enterprises that live in the free market but try to live as, if you will, parasites from that market can't possibly change fast enough to keep up with business. And, and New York proved it. Manufacturing industries went away as America developed uh, competitors. Remember, 1950, we were the only functional economy in the entire world, uh, real functional economy. Forget about the Soviets. The Chinese were fighting famine. The Indians were almost starving off the face of the earth and wrapped up in civil war. The British had been bombed flat. They didn't get rid of their food rationing until the 1950s, mid-1950s. France, Germany, forget about it. They've been bulldozed flat. Japan uh, firebombed nearly back to the Stone Age. Well, when all those countries came back online, cities like New York were among the first to get hit because, of course, they had looked at that manufacturing industry as its ATM and figured out it'll be around forever. We'll build a bureaucracy around this revenue. And, of course, the uh, as competition came up, the taxation, the overburden, the overhead that government plopped onto the once thriving manufacturing industry could not sustain the competition. Which is why vast swaths of Brooklyn and, and Queens and even parts of Manhattan that used to be devoted to manufacturing things and blue-collar jobs and blue-collar neighborhoods vanished. They turned into slums. Oh, and of course, New York tried to help the poor by instituting rent control to provide low-income housing at any cost, which basically meant that wealthy people handed down rent control departments to each other and, and 
in places that can afford the upkeep, landlords that couldn't uh, afford to survive on rent control rates with the predatory uh, enforcement in New York City, let their buildings rot away, collapse, become squatters' dens, become havens for crime. And New York became a combination of extremely wealthy and extremely poor. And all of this got brought into the open 40 years ago last Thursday night, the great New York blackout. Now, New York responded by electing first Mayor Ed Koch, who was immortalized by when he lost the, his re-election bid in the early 1980s. He said, oh, the voters, uh, the voters uh, uh, have spoken. Now it's time for them to suffer the consequences. He was right. I mean, he, he gave power over to David Dinkins, one of the worst mayors in modern American history, who in turn handed power over to Rudy Giuliani, who was one of the greats. Uh, anyway, that's all jumping far, far, far ahead here. What other cities do you see with this sort of income imbalance that that makes certain that the city is a donut hole of very, very wealthy people in condos with lots of amenities, uh, able to walk to the theater and to the coffee shops and to the restaurants and to... Uh, and, and to the, the, the bread and circuses that they crave, surrounded by a donut of poor people who are basically warehoused in the city because that's where the that's that's where the bureaucracy sees fit to put them, and that's where zoning in all the surrounding areas have kept them. Can you say Los Angeles, Portland, Detroit? Oh, classic example there a city that built itself around an industry and it built itself around taxing an industry to the point where it couldn't compete when Japan and Germany started competing with them, and, and South Korea for that matter. I mean, at the time of the New York blackout 40 years ago, Detroit was still a relatively thriving city. In your lifetime and mine, Detroit went from America's, what, fourth or fifth largest city, a booming city, even though right after the, the oil embargo of 1973, that was, that was where the beginning of the end of Detroit, as we know it, or knew it back then. Minneapolis, to, to a lesser extent, St. Paul, but Minneapolis is becoming that city. You look at, and, and yet when you have a, a cataclysmic event like the New York blackout of 1977, the Watts riots, the, the Los Angeles riot of 1992, the Ferguson riots, yeah, those are the events that turn the rock over and you can see the bugs and the rot underneath. You can. But in the cases of a lot of cities that don't act out as much, places like Camden, like Newark, like Oakland, like Seattle, Tacoma, Long Beach, uh, Sacramento. You're, you're Minneapolis. You're talking places that have the same exact rot going on. The same rot brought by decades and generations of progressive politicians who benefit from the income disparity 
that they decry in public out of one corner of their mouths while crying crocodile tears and taking all the necessary steps to make sure that the inequality stays the same and gets worse because when they don't have a bloody shirt to wave, then they're out of luck. Then they're out, then they're out of election talking points. They're out of a reason to be in power when there is no bloody shirt to wave. Now, New York reacted twice by electing mayors who swung hard to the right. Weren't what you'd call conservatives in the classic American sense of the term. No one's going to mistake uh, Rudy Giuliani for Ronald Reagan. Uh, don't get me started on Ed Koch. But at the end of the day, it was conservative policies that saved New York. Now, you look at what happened at the Minneapolis mayoral, uh, excuse me, the Minneapolis City DFL convention last week, where Ray Dane, a, a person so far to the left, he'd make Abby Hoffman blanch, makes Paul Wellstone look like a monarchist. He was endorsed. Betsy Hodges didn't didn't get in. He wasn't endorsed. Actually, he had the uh, they, they went for no endorsement after, I don't know, 35 ballots or something. Uh, typical DFL convention. It looked like the, the, the cantina band scene on Tatooine, uh, like all Democrat conventions do in, in the metro area here. But what you see in Minneapolis and to a lesser extent St. Paul and that entire litany of other Democrat misrun cities from coast to coast is a sign that the, the Democratic Party has taken steps to make sure that you're not going to get a Rudy Giuliani, much less, an, uh, I should say, you're not going to get an Ed Koch, much less a Rudy Giuliani taking over, saving the city from the Democrats who brought them to this to this this, this juncture where you your city is failed, but it's the failure that gives you your power. And preserving the failure is what ensures your own not your own survival, but the survival of your own political power, which is what it's really all about if you're a Democrat. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. It's a sickness and a perversion in public life. It's even worse in private life, as we'll discuss when we come back. Go nowhere. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. I'm very thankful for the year that we just had. We've been asked often what makes us different from other roofing companies, and the difference is, is that we care. We're not the only company who cares. We're not the only company that does a good job roofing. The difference is who we ultimately work for. Colossians 3.23 is not just a tagline for us. We want to do a good job, but ultimately we want to work heartily as unto the Lord, first, foremost, and finally. So we have a, a new guy that's with us now. Hey, I'm Tim, the newest member, and uh, I am super glad to be working with and for Kingdom Builders. Got a roofing question? Give us a call today. Hi, this is Eric with Kingdom Builders Roofing. Keep in mind, we also do all types of commercial flat roofing. Hi, this is Josh with the Kingdom Builders. Call today for an estimate at 612-900-9166 or look us up online at thekingdombuilders.net. 
As parents, one of our greatest concerns for our children is that they get a great education that leads to great opportunity. But too often these days, students have a hard time learning and really understanding math. My daughter was really having a hard time with math. She was very uncomfortable. She just couldn't learn. She decided that she just couldn't learn it, and so she just sort of shut down. At Mathnasium, math experts tutor students using a proprietary and effective curriculum that is tailored to their individual needs, helping students catch up and get ahead in math. I had heard that they had a good result for people who came in, and we are living proof that that is true. At the end of the term, she had an A. She feels good about what she did because she got the A. I mean, the tutor doesn't come to the test with you. She is learning that she can do it herself, and it's all thanks to Mathnasium. To see how Mathnasium can empower your child to a better education and better future, visit Mathnasium.com. That's Mathnasium.com. At Mathnasium, we make math make sense. New windows for America. From the initial visit to follow-up after install, New Windows for America has been a first-class operation. Never had any problems getting a hold of someone. When I did call, they acted right away, as if I was the only customer they had, which I know is not the case. Thanks for the great experience. I will be doing the rest of my windows with you when the time comes. That's a written testimonial from Thomas, just one of nearly 5,000 positive references from New Windows for America's customers. You get the best warranty in the replacement window business with lifetime warranties on parts and frame, glass breakage, glass seal failure, and service labor. New Windows for America's triple-pane Minnesota window is the same price as most others' double-pane windows. Great value, great service, and great energy savings. You deserve new windows and doors. Google New Windows for America today and get a free estimate. That's New Windows for America. New Windows for America. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. 651-289-4488 is the number to call should you care to join me. And I hope you do, because that's what makes it fun. It's a talk show, not a listen show. And I hope you do that. You can also join me on Twitter, hashtag N-A-R-N, Northern Alliance Radio Network. I'm also on Facebook, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Fairly simple. Don't forget Brad Carlson's back tomorrow, 2 o'clock. You can join him then as well. So, we're talking before about the New York blackout of 1977. And... How it, like the L.A. riots of both uh, the 1960s and uh, 1992, uh, kind of uncovered the, you know, flipped over the the rock or flipped over the board of a liberal city and showed what a complete failure they had been. We haven't had that in the Twin Cities. We haven't had a big riot. We haven't had a big uh, civil disturbance in the Twin Cities, a real significant one. Since the 1968 riots, where a good chunk of, uh, of, of North Minneapolis's commercial uh, streets, Broadway, Plymouth Avenue, got burned down uh, in a series of riots that uh, my old colleague John McDougall used to tell me about reporting about back in the 1960s when I worked at the formerly Evil Talk Empire. We haven't had that. And, and back then, of course, city government was a much more bipartisan thing. We would not gotten rid of the last of the Republicans in, in Minneapolis in 1968. Well, most of them are gone now. There's a few left making a game effort at it, but 
but they're but they're largely not there anymore. But the point you you find yourself drawn to is you watch more and more of these liberal, progressive, Democrat city governments, Chicago, Cleveland, Toledo, Dayton, Memphis, St. Louis, uh, New Orleans, uh, most of the big cities in San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, Stockton, Sacramento, Long Beach, Portland, Seattle, uh, Hartford, Connecticut, Baltimore, you name most of your big 100% Democrat voting cities have gone through exactly the same thing to one degree or another. And sometimes you get a series of riots that highlight the problems. And mostly what you get is situations like Detroit, where things basically collapse. And, And Minneapolis is on the same path. I mean, it's going slower, it's going prettier, but you get the same basic idea. You have a city government that lives off of whatever competitive enterprise happens in the city, but doesn't like it very much and tries to tax it into shape and regulate it into into, into a shape that that fits its preconceptions. And then wonders why so much of it leaves town, wonders why so much of it moves when they implement mandatory sick time and, and, and $15 an hour minimum wages. Where could that come from, they wonder. And it comes from the fact that it's the chaos that gives them what they want. It's the income inequality that gives them the bloody shirt to wave. It's the fact that there's a problem that keeps them in office. As long as you can go in front of a crowd of people and say, you have been wronged. It doesn't matter that you never fix the wrong. <laughs> in fact, it's it's uh, it's in your interest to keep that wrong going full steam ahead. Because it's not fixing things that matters to a Democrat. It's not making things work. It's making things work so they stay in power. That's the sickness we're dealing with. That is what gives you situations like Betsy Hodges picking a fight with the Minneapolis Police Department and then wondering why the police in Minneapolis are, in effect, standing down. I mean, not intervening in crimes unless they see with their own eyes a felony in progress. And they wonder why the crime rate is rising. Well, Betsy Hodges or Ray Dane or Alondra Cano will just blame law-abiding gun owners for the problem keep the problem going, maybe throw a bone to the police union to uh, make everyone feel a little bit better, and the city will continue on its path that it's on, and the people who can leave eventually will, and the people who can afford to live in isolated pockets of the city that are safe and clean and, and well cared for will. In New York, it's called Manhattan. In Minneapolis, it's, ca- it's called downtown. The part of east part of downtown near the U.S. Bank Stadium where all the high-end condos are and the North Loop, the warehouse district, those will stay as they are, more or less, because it that's where the power base is. That's where the money is. They can afford to keep their corner of a collapsing city in enough shape to keep them safe until they decide to move to greener pastures. That's how you get Detroit's. That's how you get Newark's. That's how you get Camden's and Trenton's and Baltimore's. 
But as long as they have the power, they don't much care about it. Because it's the problem that keeps them in, in, in power. It's one of a couple of things that just struck me about watching Democrat politics this past week. There's another one. Uh, the, the, the pathology is bad enough when it covers a whole city. When it covers a family, this is just depressing. An article came out this past week in a webzine uh, by a woman named, uh, let me see if I can find the name here, Jody Allard is her name, uh, in a uh, in a, in a web magazine called Roll Reboot, which is uh, social issues sort of uh, sort of uh, website, uh, glorified blog. And it showed me one of the pathologies that I'm finding so very, very scary about the far left. Uh, I've talked about feminism a lot. I, back when this show was getting started back in the mid-2000s, Back when there were a lot more blogs in the Twin Cities, I used to kind of amuse myself by calling myself <clears throat> the Twin Cities' best feminist. And, I mean, this is like high school-level trolling here, right? I did it to troll the local feminist robot blogger community because they are so, un at that time, and still to this day, they are so unbelievably unself-aware that they seriously take themselves so seriously. They found... I mean, they, they they spun themselves into knots every time I wrote that line that I'm the Twin Cities' best feminist. I mean, what does that even mean? The Twin Cities' best feminist? What measured by what? I, it was like a professional wrestling boast, right? And it got so many people so knotted up, which meant it was pretty decent level of trolling going on there. And I'd say mission accomplished. I also did it partly though because it was true. I mean, partly, because feminism has taken on a bad, gotten a bad rap lately for good reasons. Feminists have, have beclowned themselves for quite some time now. Uh, but it doesn't have just one meaning. Uh, the great Camille Paglia noted about 20 years ago that there's really two branches to what we call feminism. First, well, the feminism that, that, was, that got the women the vote and got them the same opportunities as, as men have and, and got them the opportunity to go as far and do as much with their merits and their talents as, as they could, that's, that's from something called equity feminism or equality feminism, the feminism of being treated as an equal in the eyes of the law and society, subject to your own merits and, and, and drives and goals in life. It's, that's the breed of feminism that killed off the whole barefoot pregnant in the kitchen thing the one that, that, that made sexual harassment an actual actionable issue, legal problem, got the world out of the madman era. And by the way, I think any father out there with a daughter probably qualifies as an equity feminist on one level or another because what father doesn't want their daughters to succeed in this life according to whatever their opportunities, their interests their talents and their merits are i mean show me a father who doesn't want that and i'll show you someone who's not father of the year oh i will get back to that am i the best at that does that make me the twin cities best feminist sure why not <laughs> i'll bite 
that's not the only kind of feminism there is. There's another kind. It, it's been called a lot of different names. Identity feminism is the one I use. The idea that women are an identity group, like Armenians or Jews or, or African Americans or, or, or gays, with an agenda and a history and with a long list of grievances against enemies and former oppressors, what have you, right? I mean, you talk to Armenians, don't talk to them about Turks. Talk to Greeks, don't talk to them about Turks. Talk to Ashkenazi Jews, but don't expect a lot of nice talk about Ukrainians, Eastern Poles, or Russians. Okay. These identity groups have long lists of history and, and, and history with people that don't like them and for whom the feeling is mutual. African-Americans certainly have theirs. Women? Do women as a gender have millennia, thousands, millions of years of grievances against the entire male gender? Well, then the whole human race is pretty well in trouble now, isn't it? The idea that, that... Oh, and by the way, this is always expressed by the activists for these various identity movements as a collective movement. So feminism is bound up entirely with the Democrat Party. And the, the, the interests are bound up with a party. And, and, and like income inequality in major cities, this inequality, this, this urge to retribution is what drives, is the hot, burning anger deep down in the pit of the gut that drives these people year in and year out. And I'm proud to say I'm absolutely not the Twin Cities' best identity feminist. In fact, I'm no good at it at all. I'm proud to say it. Anyway, it's Camille Paglia's idea, not mine, but I'll run with it. There's feminists who seek equality, and there's feminists who seek demagoguery and, and political power, and who, in their most pathological form, like any other political pathology, they use it to dominate their lives and the lives of those around them. I'm going to talk about one of those when we come back. Go nowhere. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot. Napa know-how. Buckets are good. Good at storing, carrying, and hauling all kinds of stuff. But the Napa bucket for $3.99 does more good than that. Like getting you 20% off three or more items that fit inside. And donating a dollar to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. So do our soldiers and yourself some good. And save 20% with the Napa bucket. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Exclusions apply. Offer expires 731.17. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the big hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a big hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics. 
Nugenics is a unique man-boosting formula powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 321321. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 321321. Nugenics samples are not available in stores. So again, text PRIME11 to 321321. If you're around my age, one of these days you'll have to begin taking required minimum distributions from your IRA. Otherwise, the IRS is going to penalize you. If you're forced to take money out, what are you going to do with that money? How will you continue to grow it for yourself and your family? What kind of legacy will you create with it? I've been an investor most of my life, and I started Tradeway to share skill sets with brothers and sisters in Christ around the country. I want you to come check out our Step 1 Start Your Journey two-day event and have a blast learning fun, realistic, and powerful information about investing tactics that have the potential to help you get the most out of what you've spent your lifetime earning. Coming to the Weston Edina Galleria, September 15th and 16th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. Grandpa Pat, I'm trying to find the cheapest bike. The cheapest or the one that costs the least amount of money? It's the same thing. Not exactly, Ian you got to consider initial price, warranty, and the cost of repairing or replacing it when it doesn't last. So cheapest up front isn't the lowest cost? It's kind of like a Blue Ox heating and air system. When you weigh the initial investment, warranty, utility cost, and lifespan, Blue Ox is your best value. I'm picking up what you're laying down, Grandpa Pat. Call Blue Ox Heating and Air at 7634-BLUE-OX today. Welcome back to Twin Cities and World. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network on Mitchburg. 651-289-4488. Don't forget, John Hinderocker joins us at the top of the hour to talk about the radical indoctrination kids are getting at the Edina Public Schools. Uh, this is, uh, we've been complaining about the, uh, about the drift to the left of our school system for decades. This is a smoking, dare I say, gun. I know guns, schools are a smoking gun-free zone, but here you have it. Here's one. I, I almost want to take an entire hour for this story. Uh, again, a piece that came out uh, earlier this week in, uh, in, a, in a glorified blog called Roll Reboot by uh, Jody Allard, a feminist writer who uh, wrote a piece, uh, she's from Seattle, of course, makes perfect sense, Seattle, Portland, or Minneapolis, maybe San Francisco. Uh, she talks about talks about her life as a, a single mother, and you wonder why. And I read this article, and you can't help but think, boy, her two sons someday are going to make some psychologists into very wealthy people. The, the piece is entitled, <clears throat> I'm Done Pretending Men Are Safe. Even my sons. She goes on to write, I have two sons. They are strong and compassionate, the kind of boys other parents are glad to meet when their daughters bring home for dinner. They're good boys in the ways good boys are, but they are not safe boys. I'm starting to wonder if there is such a thing. You know, I'm not going to lie. Everyone doubts their children once upon once in a while. 
everyone's got questions about him, but Allard, most people don't inflict those worries directly on their kids. Allard apparently is too good for that. Quote, I wrote an essay in the Washington Post last year during the height of the Brock Turner case, the kid who skated with probation for raping a girl. Uh, It's a gross miscarriage of justice. Uh, But she goes on to write about my sons and rape culture. I didn't think it would be controversial when I wrote it. I was sure most parents grappling with raising sons in the midst of rape culture would. The struggle I wrote about was universal, I thought, but I was wrong. My essay went semi- <laughs> boy was she ever wrong. Essay went semi-viral and for the first time my sons encountered my words about them on their friends' phones, their teachers' computers, even overheard them discussed by strangers on a crowded metro bus. It was one thing to agree to be written about in a relative obscurity, quite another to have my words intrude on their daily lives. Now, try and imagine one of your parents considering you guilty until proven innocent of a grotesque felony like rape. Not to mention you having no venue to actually prove yourself innocent because that parent has all the power. That parent is, God help us all, a media figure. One of my sons was hurt by my words, although he's never told me so. Yeah, of course, it's going to wind up in the Washington Post in a couple months. Thanks, Mom. I'll take a pass, too. Uh, I'll return to Jody Allard. He doesn't understand why I lumped him and his brother together in my essay. He seems himself as the good one, the one who is sensitive and thoughtful and who listens instead of reacts. He doesn't understand that even quiet misogyny is misogyny and that not all sexists sound like Twitter trolls. Now, let's take a moment and reassess here. Mom has just called her sons uh, basically rapists in training. They haven't raped anyone yet. But because of the traits, their mother's ins- mother insists just have to be in them. Never mind their own lying eyes, their own brains, their own senses of self. No, mom says so. And it seems this is the part that blows my little mind through my ears. It seems to astound Mrs. Allard that her son has taken offense. He's angry at me now, although he won't admit that either, and his anger led him to conservative websites and YouTube channels, places where he can surround himself with righteous indignation against feminists and tell himself it's ungrateful women like me who are the problem. (sighs) Ms. Allard, his problem is not an ungrateful woman. It's... I would guess a narcissist in the clinical sense of the term who has luckily, the boy has luckily discovered that the narcissistic mother has been trying to gaslight him. You know what gaslighting is. It's from the old Ingrid Bergman, Charles Boyer movie where Charles Boyer tries to convince Ingrid Bergman that she's going crazy. The movie's called Gaslight. It's one of Alfred Hitchcock's first classics. I teeter, Jody Allard, I teeter occasionally between supporting my son and educating him. It's my job as a mother to ensure he feels safe emotionally no matter what violence he spews. When I hear his voice become defensive, I back off but question whether I'm doing him any favors by allowing his perception of himself to go unchallenged. When I can, yeah, why would a parent want their child to grow up with a good self-image? Who would have thought of such nonsense? (laughs) 
when I confront him with his own sexism, I question whether I'm pushing too hard and leaving him without an emotional safe space in his home. Am I the only one who suspects Jody Allard's poor son hasn't had an emotional safe space since he was conceived? By the way, uh, one of the this woman apparently has left a paper trail. She's a freelance writer, writing in feminist magazines and and sort of online TED talky sorts of journals uh, for a long time. And apparently, one of her sons is is expressed some suicidal ideation. Uh, Kurt Schlichter wrote about it yesterday. Uh, naturally, she used this as fodder for her own sense of self-adoration. Kurt Schlechter writes in a post as recent as May, the feminist wrote in Role Reboot about her and her suicidal son watching 13 Reasons Why, a show that has been argued to glorify suicide. Someone give this woman a Mother of the Year award. Curiously, Allard also has at least one daughter about whom we can't seem to find any public shaming. Go figure. Now, how does this tie in with the great New York blackout? Well, it's simple. Ideology, power, and, and and being in control are more important to progressives than keeping your city in decent shape and raising your sons to be normal, well-adjusted people. And God help these boys. I mean, they're just psychologists. Start, psychology is just starting to figure out what happens to boys who have really, really screwed up relationships with with intensely dysfunctional mothers. It's about the same as happens when girls have terrible relations with their fathers. Uh, it's just happening right in front of us here. <laughs> John Henderocker joins us when I come back. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve eighty, The Patriot. Got to break those eggs to make your omelet. Hi, this is Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM 1280, The Patriot. And I'd like to remind you to spend your money wisely and use our loyal marketing partners here at this great station. Many of our clients are local businesses who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities, and their success in business is our success. For a list of our loyal marketing partners, go to am1280thepatriot.com or call us at 651-405-8800. We thank you for listening and supporting our partners. For the last 10 years, freedom lovers have gathered in Las Vegas for Freedom Fest, the world's largest gathering of free minds. Once again, this year brings together the best thinkers and experts to predict where we're headed in science and technology, geopolitics, the economy, law and religion, and much more. Over 200 speakers and exhibitors, including Steve Forbes, Greg Gutfeld from Fox News, actor William Shatner, author Dinesh D'Souza, and more. This year, John Stossel discusses his fights with Donald Trump, Ted Turner, and other central planners. Also this year, SRN's very own Larry Elder and Michael Medved. It's the largest gathering of free minds. Don't miss it. It's our 10-year anniversary, so join us for Freedom Fest 2017, July 19th through the 22nd at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. Go to FreedomFest.com for a full list of speakers, the agenda, and to register. That's FreedomFest.com. Use the code REASON100 when you register to save $100 at FreedomFest.com. Amazing to realize, but you know, it's been almost two years I've been talking with you about Relief Factor, and I can tell you I've been continually inundated with testimonials. 
This is Michael Medved, and I've received thousands of testimonials that come in telling me how excited people are to be out of pain, like Bob from Ohio, who writes, I had a herniated disc in my back in 1984. I started taking Relief Factor, and for the first time, I have been completely out of constant, sometimes excruciating pain. I'm now able to work in the yard, around the house, and do my job in comfort. This is a great product. That's the end of the quote. If you're struggling with ongoing back or neck pain, shoulder, hip or knee pain or general muscle pain, aches, pains of any kind, do what tens of thousands of others have done so successfully. Go to relieffactor.com and order their three-week quick start for just $19.95. 1-800-500-8384. That's 1-800-500-8384. Financial Fortitude with Dale Creed Francis and Ryan Litvin. There are safe investments that take out the risk of loss, and that sounds too good to be true, but it's not. There's hybrid investment vehicles that have been created. Things change all the time. We always say, you know, we used to ride horses, now we drive cars. Investment vehicles have changed. Financial Fortitude with Dale Creed Francis and Ryan Litvin. Saturday at 3 and Sundays at 11 a.m. here on AM 1280, The Patriot. From the Nepsis Capital Management Studios, this is AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.